You're listening to the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Welcome back to another edition of the Cannabis Reporter Pro Series. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, and I'm happy you could join us. Our last Pro Series interview featured TJ Frost, a practice leader for Hub International, which is one of the few major insurance brokers offering a full-service vertical of insurance solutions designed specifically for the cannabis industry, serving companies in the U.S. and around the world. Having pioneered Hub's cannabis vertical, TJ provided some amazing insights about insurance in the cannabis industry and offered advice about risk services, claims management, and compliance support solutions that cannabis companies need to consider. This week, we'll be delving into another aspect of Hub International's cannabis vertical, management and professional liability, with Patrick Ryder. As an increasing number of states move to legalize cannabis, new and established cannabis enterprises face more and more competition to secure market share and attract enough talent to meet the demand of a growing consumer base. They also face greater risks, which require scalable insurance solutions that protect stakeholders from liabilities that are unique to this industry and security for their workforce. These protections also help to attract and retain talented employees in this competitive landscape. I have to admit, this is one aspect of the business that I have yet to learn about, so I'm really looking forward to this conversation. As I mentioned, Patrick Ryder is a practice leader with two decades of experience in the insurance industry. As Vice President of Hub Colorado, he specializes in management, professional, and cyber liability insurance and consults with clients on program design and risk management techniques as they relate to cannabis enterprises. Patrick, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really glad that you could be here. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. And as you know, we spoke with TJ Frost last month, and he gave us a really good overview of insurance in the cannabis industry. And I know that your field of specialty is more in the management liability in the cannabis sector. Tell me a little bit about your expertise and how you came to Hub International to start working in this area. Yeah. So, I, you know, I've was born and bred into the insurance industry. Uh, my mother was a reinsurance specialist and, and kind of walked me right into the industry at a very young age. And I started off on the carrier side, specifically on the underwriting side, uh, and have worked in management professional liability for the entirety of my career. Uh, I was about 19 years uh, on, in underwriting. And after a while, I got the opportunity uh, to come join Hub International uh, on the broker side to head up the management professional liability team here in Colorado. So I sit in the Denver office, and we've got a, a nice team here that does nothing but management professional liability servicing, you know, middle market to large clients uh, across the U.S. and throughout throughout Europe. Uh, cannabis came to us a number of years ago, about four or five years ago, and it was an area where it was brand new, right? And there's only so many opportunities for somebody that's in one of the oldest industries in the world um, to get into something brand new. And Hub has really put a great deal of time, money, and resources into developing a practice group, actually probably the largest practice group uh, that's dedicated to this space. And, and I really wanted to be a part of it. So I raised my hand and said, I would, I'll take the charge of doing market development, form development, and, uh, 
and getting this thing off the ground so that we could offer the clients, uh, our clients, a service that really wasn't out there in the marketplace. And for the last, you know, three and a half years, it's been it's been quite a wild ride. Well, you know, I think that a lot of companies have had challenges when it comes to, you know, getting services from regulated industries. So it's actually really great to hear that you have such a robust program for people in the cannabis industry. But when it comes to management liability, that's a term that I wasn't really familiar with until we met. And I'd like you to kind of explain it to people who don't really know what it is. Yeah, sure. So management liability is a suite of coverages not dissimilar from property and casualty. So property and casualty, you think about general liability, you think about property, products liability, auto, work comp, and that's the suite of coverages associated with that vernacular. Management liability protects the C-suite. So when we talk about management liability, we're talking about directors and officers insurance, employment practices liability, fiduciary liability, to a certain extent crime insurance, uh, professional liability, transactional risk, whether that be reps and warranties or some tax liability insurance, and then cyber liability. So that group of coverages make up what we call management professional liability. How does this practice area differ from like regular operations? And what is it that you tell people who are interested in that type of insurance? Sure. The key differentiator here, I think, is the the type of loss that's picked up. When you talk about property and casualty insurance, you're talking about bodily injury and property damage, for the most part. That's, that's kind of a 10,000 foot view. When you talk about management liability, we're talking about covering the liabilities of the organization from a management perspective, whether that's the mismanagement of uh, finances, whether that's the mismanagement of investment dollars that roll in, incorrect statements on prospectuses, and the professional exposures that a C-suite is providing, not only to the organization, but to investment uh, investors and potentially vendors, suppliers, and, and anyone that they're doing business with. Additionally, when you talk about management liability, you as an operator have a responsibility to your employees. And so when you think about employment practices, whether during the hiring process or the termination process, or any time during the life cycle of an employee, you have an exposure, a liability associated with various regulations to make sure that harassment is, and discrimination and hostile work environments, constructive discharge, none of those things should be a part of an organization. Unfortunately, they are, and there are insurances, specifically employment practices, liability that responds to that. Now, the last part of that would probably be in the cyber arena and you pick up employees along the way, and you're going to process and maintain a certain amount of employee data, whether that's their social security number or their personal health IDs. You're going to pick up that information, and you have a responsibility to protect and safeguard that information. All of the responsibilities that you have to your employees and to the organization at large create opportunities for liability at the back end. We call them fiduciary duties. And so this suite of coverages really protects the management and the operators of the business uh, in, in a meaningful way. So how would this differ for people who are operating, let's say, dispensaries or clinical practices in the cannabis industry versus medical offices, for example? 
You know, honestly, the way that we view the industry as a practice group is it's not dissimilar at all. The exposures are prevalent, uh, and the exposures are the same whether you're managing a $5 million revenue dispensary or you're managing a $5 million revenue convenience store, right? You're still kind of operating along the same veins. I know we have some clients that will disagree and say, no, we do things way, way differently. At the end of the day, from an insurance standpoint, though, we're trying to group and categorize these risks in a way that is palatable and getting away from the stigma of being a marijuana company as opposed to a business. And we think that we're starting to, to see that trend be bucked and really start to normalize cannabis operators uh, inside the insurance realm. Yeah. And then as far as the cyber liability is concerned, it, it's not too dissimilar from uh, abiding by HIPAA laws, for example, like um, breaching those rules. Is that correct? When you're talking about cyber liability, it, depending on the type of data that you gather, you are not immune from the regulators, whether it be a HIPAA regulator for a medical clinic or a, uh, a medical dispensary or a a doctor's office, right? You still have the same responsibilities under HIPAA that you would have whether or not you were just a straight-up practitioner or you were a medical dispensary. Um, and likewise, if you were a credit card processor and you have a credit card exposure, there's no difference in the PCI requirements if you're in a dispensary that accepts debit cards versus a you know a retail establishment that's selling socks there's still the same type of contractual risk transfer involved from a PCI standpoint in both industries. Right. And speaking of stocks, <laughs> I'm curious, in the cannabis industry, publicly traded companies have been around for quite a while, especially originating out of Canada. But now the U.S. stock market is, is beginning to really find publicly traded cannabis companies to be attractive to investors. And I know that in your practice area, this is something that if someone's trying to go public or attract investors, what kind of coverages would you recommend for cannabis companies aiming for that? Sure. There are two very distinct types of companies. Right. You have a privately held company and you have a publicly traded company for the, for the purposes of this conversation. A publicly traded company raises money on a public market by issuing securities. Privately held companies can raise money in a myriad of different ways, but doesn't necessarily fall under the same purview of regulation, nor the number of investors that you would have in a public company. From an insurance standpoint, you have two different products. One that covers the exposure to shareholders on a, uh, from a security standpoint, that being a publicly traded or publicly traded policy. And the second is a privately held policy, whereby you're actually protecting the balance sheet of the organization. Two very different policies that span two very different exposures from an investor standpoint. Um, as we look at the landscape right now, we have a lot of private companies that are going through private placements and doing things in the private sector with the anticipation that they're going to go public. There are very specific rules and regulations uh, when you start trading in the public markets and, and the liabilities associated with the prospectus leading up to that listing, whether it's an IPO in the U.S., an RTO in Canada, you've got some exposures that are very real. Directors and officers policies, which are designed to protect 
the organization from securities exposures or the balance sheet uh, in, in private companies and the directors and officers themselves need to be able to bridge that gap. So any company that's planning on a public offering, whether it be an IPO or, or, or an RTO, needs to be able to have a run-up of coverage to span that transaction. Because in the insurance world, they're very, very different, and the liabilities associated with that transaction can be very real. We've seen a lot of companies that make the transition without the appropriate securities coverage, and because of misstatements or errors in their registration documents, open themselves up from a director's and officer's standpoint to a myriad of liabilities. And if the policy is not structured appropriately to pick up the securities exposure before it actually exists from the issuance of securities, there's a big gap in coverage which could cripple the organization, but more importantly, really hinder the ability of the directors and officers to do their jobs and potentially put their personal assets at risk. So essentially what you're saying is that having coverage like this would actually make the company as a whole more attractive to investors. Is that correct? Specifically from a, a, a taking an active role as an active investor, um, and you want to give a substantial amount of money to the company and take a board seat, we have many of our companies and, and many of our clients won't actually take a board seat unless the appropriate directors and officers coverage is in place. It's not just having the coverage in place. It's having meaningful risk transfer policies and indemnification policies, whether it be through insurance or through the company's bylaws. Um, that is something that is very important to these individuals that want to take a board seat and contribute in a meaningful way. That's really good to know. And when you're approaching new clients who are seeking to insure their companies or insure their management structure and all of that, what are some of the first things that you tell them? Well, the, you know, we kind of, we don't really tell our clients anything up front. So we, we begin the conversation with just kind of a forward-looking process. Where does the company want to be in the next three to five years? How are you going to get there? And allow our clients to kind of tell us the story. Um, from there, we can start making some determinations as to what types of coverage they need, what types of risk they are going to be facing as they transition from a fundraising company into an operator, into an acquisition target, or into a potential publicly traded company. And really through that interview process, uh, we have the ability to, to make the determination as to what suit is going to fit them best in three years and today, not just selling a suite of insurance pro uh, products. Um, I think what we would tell our clients is that this is what we do. Uh, we have a team of individuals. You mentioned TJ Frost. He's the U.S. cannabis practice leader. Spends 100% of his time in the cannabis industry. I head up our national practice for management professional liability. I spend 100% of my time in this industry. So we have dedicated some, some very significant talent and very significant resources into making sure that you can navigate these waters, which are different. Um, there are different exclusions. There are different risk transfer protocols. And certainly there's different ways to, to deal with the tax implications of buying insurance. And we like to walk our clients through all of that so that they know what they're getting up front. And then hopefully, and I think we do a pretty good job of executing all those promises at the back end. 
It certainly sounds like it. And when it comes to employees, do the coverages that you offer also deal with employee benefits? So that's, that's a very interesting question. Uh, yeah, we we do quite a bit with the employee benefit sector in in a couple of different arenas. So when it comes to employee benefits, the cannabis industry is actually utilizing employee benefits as a way to attract talent. There is a lot of transition right now, specifically from the younger workforce into the cannabis industry, away from some traditional jobs. And as a and in that transition, there has become a very competitive marketplace. So we at Hub have developed a program and a process and again, utilizing this national practice approach, some proprietary products around giving our clients the best set of tools to attract talent into their organization. From an employee benefit standpoint, that could mean a health and welfare plan. It could mean a 401k plan and some dedicated approaches for that. Now, from a liability standpoint as an organization, again, from a management liability perspective, anytime that you enter into a service for your employees, you're also exposing yourself to some liabilities. I mentioned at the outset a coverage called fiduciary liability. Fiduciary liability is a little bit different than a fiduciary duty in that it covers your exposures as it relates to the selection and administration of employee benefit plans, whether that be a 401k plan or a health and welfare plan. Anytime you select that type of plan, uh, specifically on the 401k side or the, the financial side of things, you're actually exposing yourself to personal liabilities for the administration of that plan, whether it's selecting the correct provider, managing the fees associated with that program, making sure that you're not offering a 20-year retirement 401k when you have a bunch of 60-year-old employees that are going to retire in five years. So you really need to tailor your program to fit your employee base. And by doing that with a dedicated broker that specializes in this space, you can help mitigate some of those liabilities. That makes sense. And what about covering errors and omissions made by employees? Like, for instance, in the dispensary business, there could be potential risk or exposure for the company if, let's say, a patient comes in and asks for medical advice that he or she should not be asking for from, you know, someone who's a salesperson in a dispensary, and the employee decides to give advice that that employee should not be giving because that employee is not a doctor or a medical professional. How would you recommend that companies protect themselves against that kind of exposure? Well, with any exposure, there's a couple of different ways to do it, right? So you can transfer risk via insurance. You can accept risk by saying we train our people very, very well, and therefore we're comfortable with the advice they give. Or you can avoid risk and tell your people not to say anything and just sell sell products. Um, I don't think the latter is the right option, especially if you're in a sales business. You're in a very competitive environment. So from a risk transfer standpoint, we offer solutions in the errors and emissions or professional liability uh, arena. Um, the I guess the vernacular or what we're calling it in the industry is bud tender errors and emissions. So it really gives uh, an owner-operator of a dispensary, specifically at the retail level, the ability to feel comfortable that although they're putting in a lot of time and a lot of effort into training, and that training's not just at the bud tender level, it's also inside the technology. So you've got you know 
dispensaries that have iPads out there that are telling you that this sativa is a certain type of sativa with a THC content of X, and it's designed to do Y, uh, or an indica, you know, same type of thing, or the hybrid over here is, is of this certain uh, uh, genetic makeup. All of those things, all of the information that you're releasing to a client can potentially result in an error's and omissions or a professional liability type of exposure. So you can purchase insurance that picks up the errors and omissions of an individual in the delivering of professional services. And we at Hub really believe that the individuals that are working in the dispensaries are just that. They are professionals in the cannabis industry. And so if you hold yourself to that standard, there's the potential for the courts too as well. And so anybody that has that type of exposure should at least explore that option. It is not a compulsory coverage. It's not workman's compensation, not general liability. You don't have to buy it. Um, but as a best practices and as a way to attract talent, it's certainly something that uh, you could add into your tool belt and into your insurance program um, to be an asset for the organization. And so how often are you seeing cannabis operators offering or expanding their benefits to attract talent? Is this something that's super common? We really operate through the life cycle of a cannabis company. And right, you know, in the last two years, we've seen a lot of people go from the fundraising efforts into operational mode. And we're starting to see a lot of our clients start to turn profit. And as you turn profit, there's been more of a focus on the development of robust employee benefits plans. Um, it kind of starts off with what can we afford, and then it almost always ends with what can't we afford to do. So if we don't do this, are we going to lose talent? If we don't have these types of offerings to our employees, are we going to be able to attract the best people that we possibly can? And I look at the, the startup culture that we, we had kind of going on here in Denver, and uh, certainly in the 90s, you saw ping pong tables and, and beer fridges and everything that you needed to attract young millennial talent into the startup community. I think it's a little bit different in the cannabis sector and that you're seeing, um, you know, kind of the, you, you don't have that kind of gamesmanship mentality with a bunch of video games and, and beer fridges and ping pong tables. It's more around what can we do to create a life for these people inside the industry so that they don't leave. So that they don't say, well, this is just a cannabis thing. And they say, no, this is a business that I want to be a part of for a long time. And forgive me if you've already sort of covered this, but I just wanted to clarify. So can you also provide those employee benefits, the insurance benefits to employers to offer to their employees? Absolutely. So we have a uh, we have an entire division inside the cannabis practice that does nothing but employee benefits. So whether it's a health and welfare plan, negotiating the 401k waters, uh, you know, going through vision, going through dental, all of those types of things, we have not only the the products that are available and, and kind of the ability to sell you those types of products, but we also have compliance solutions to make sure that your organization who may not have purchased employee benefits plans in the past have a solution that is compliant with federal and state regulations. That's really great to know. So I'm wondering, is there anything else that you really have a burning desire for our audiences to know? You know, the audience here that uh, I'm sure that we're talking to is has a vested interest in seeing this industry succeed. And 
I think it's important that when you start talking about insurance, although it is a line item on your budget, there is a certain get what you pay for um, type of insurance that's out there. There is check the box coverage that will certainly suffice and, and allow you to complete certificates and, and pass statute, but on a bad day, it's just a piece of paper. Um, I think what is equally important is to have a relationship with an insurance firm um, that specializes in this space and understands the exclusionary language that can be associated with a management liability policy, with a products liability policy, and has access to not only markets, but to risk management services and the ability to craft a, a program that's holistic in its nature so that it can really support the industry. This is not just a play to sell insurance. This is really a way for us, specifically at Hub, to support this industry and help it thrive, not just survive. Providing these solutions to employers in the cannabis industry. And, you know, I, I give you lots of kudos for being an early adopter in this industry because I think it is such an important aspect of operating in the cannabis industry. So kudos to you. Well, we appreciate that. And uh, you know, I know we started this off and I will end it with saying uh, TJ Frost has really almost single-handedly created an insurance industry around the cannabis sector. Um, and he deserves a lot of credit, not only for what we've done at Hub, but across the industry at large with the way that he has elevated coverages, elevated just the knowledge around the industry. Uh, and guys at Wilson Elser did the same thing. And, and there's some, some very good operators in this space, and they take it very, very seriously. And we really appreciate them for doing that. Well, the industry is definitely growing leaps and bounds. And yeah, and I enjoyed our conversation with TJ Frost. And if anyone listening hasn't heard that interview yet, I highly recommend it. There's a lot of great nuts and bolts information in there. And especially if you are entering the cannabis industry and curious about insurance solutions that are really specifically designed for the cannabis industry, I completely recommend that interview. But I really appreciate your support of this Pro Series program, because as everyone knows, this is a, a sponsored program that allows you to get information more specifically about the company at large, and it supports all of the education that we do here at the Canvas Reporter. So I thank you so much for your support in that regard. Uh, it's absolutely my pleasure. And if anyone listening wants to reach out and get some more information on us or, or what we're doing, uh, probably the best way to do it is, is go to hubinternational.com or you can find me, Patrick Ryder, on LinkedIn, and, uh, and that's R-Y-D-E-R. -E and we'd be happy to entertain any questions, engage in any conversation. And uh, to be perfectly honest, I spent a lot of time on United and Southwest, and if, if you want me to come see you, I'd be happy. Well, that's great to know. And Patrick, I will put all of your information online on the podcast post. And when people go into the website and just look for this particular interview, they'll be able to pull up a page that'll have all of this information on it. So, oh, but before we wrap it up, any last thoughts? 
Uh, you know, I just I really did enjoy the time today, and I just want to reaffirm the fact that we we're committed to this industry, we're committed to seeing it succeed, and uh, we really appreciate what you do as well. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate your support. And we know who to recommend <laughs> in the event anyone's asking us about the best insurance for this industry. So thank you so much, Patrick, for joining me today. I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, thank you very much, and thank you for listening to me for this time. Appreciate you guys. <laughs> You're certainly welcome. Oh, so it's time to bring yet another episode of our pro series to a close. Once again, I would like to thank my guest, Patrick Ryder, for sharing his insights and knowledge with us today. If you'd like to learn more about Patrick and the work that he's doing at Hub International, please visit us online at thecannabisreporter.com. Click podcast to find today's episode, and there you will find his bio and details about how to reach him directly. You can also visit hubinternational.com to learn more about his company. We have others to thank. First and foremost, I'd like to express our gratitude to Hub International for supporting our educational platform as a pro series sponsor. I'd also like to thank our production team here at The Cannabis Reporter and all of our partners who support our work. And last but not least, thanks to all of you for listening. If you work in the cannabis industry and would like to showcase your company and share your expertise as a featured guest on the Cannabis Reporter Pro Series, please send us an email to publisher at thecannabisreporter.com to request a media kit or just to say hello. I'm Snowden Bishop inviting you to join me each week for the Cannabis Reporter radio show. And until we meet again, be safe, stay informed, Share what you've learned and make it a great day. You're listening to the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop 